DW. The 77 percent. It is the show where we get to talk about various issues affecting the youth on the African continent. Hello and welcome to the 77% where we will be focusing on critical document that continues to be violated by a majority of African leaders and that is the constitution. My name is Omar Wali in the Gambia and to be specific in the capital Banjul. Right now here in the Gambia, the hot topic is the move by our members of parliament to flush down the drain of $116 million after rejecting a draft constitution to replace the old one which was questionable. But what went wrong in parliament? These are some of the questions that I'll be searching for an answers from a team of brilliant young people who will be joining me not too long. And in Malawi... The constitution is clear that it will recognize the youth participation in development processes. But what I see in Malawi is that the youth are not given fully that chance. The stipulations in the constitutions, they are not very objective in terms of considering uh, young people. It only focuses on those that are in government and politicians. Divided views from young people on how the country's constitution is empowering them. Stay tuned for that and don't forget to join the debate on our Facebook page, Double Africa. Changing the constitution is a tactic that has been used for years by some African leaders to stay in power. Among countries that has fallen in this trap include Burundi, Uganda, Rwanda, Liberia, Cameroon, Guinea and Togo. Just recently our parliament here in the Gambia rejected a new draft constitution after spending $116 million. Reasons it did not favor the current president Adama Barrow among other issues. The draft constitution stipulates a two-term limit for presidency. However, supporters of President Barrow insist his four terms should not count and consequently withdraw their support. The old constitution has been amended more than 50 times by former president Yahya Jami. To diverge deep into this with me is a team of young people and first they will start with introducing themselves. I am Yamal Njan, I'm a law student and research assistant at the TRRC. I am Mohamed Sandeng, political science student and uh, an intern for Journalists for Justice. My name is Kemo Bojang, I am a councillor with the KMC and also the National Youth Secretary General of, of the UDP Youth Wing. I'm Lamin Kesiri, a youth and child rights activist. Ladies and gentlemen, as you all know, the parliament rejected the draft bill. Well, some said it was killed and buried and, you know, so many reactions on Facebook and so on. I will start with Njamalen. Do you think Gambian need a new constitution or the 1997 constitution was enough for the country? No, the Gambia needs a new constitution. The 1997 constitution was ravaged, corrupted by the president to suit his agenda. A lot of loopholes that were created that allowed for abuse of power. There's no argument on whether we should keep the next one because it's bad. That's why there was a need to kick it out in the first place. Lamin, what do you think? Both constitutions are important um, for the Gambia. And um, for me, it's not a question of just getting into a third republic. Um, we want to have a constitution that, of course, yes, uh, represents the views and desires of Gambia. However, I mean, we all know even the new constitution has a lot of shortcomings, just like the, the 1997 constitution. And um, the argument is that let's go in for this constitution and later we can do amendments. And the reason why we 
all fighting against the 1997 constitution was the numerous amendments that it went through. So for me, it does not make any sense to allow it to go through and then, you know, later get into the amendments. It will be just the same thing. Kemo, what does this mean for the country? Uh, after spending 116 million, two years of work and... Uh, the draft was just thrown into the garbage. Yes, um, for me, I, I think it has been a waste. It has been a waste of time. It has been a waste of resources. And I want to agree with Yamalin and say that we needed progress. And this constitution was giving us the chance to get that progress. I'd like to disagree with Lamin when he said that the amendments were the reason we wanted to change the constitution. No, the amendments were not the reason. The reason we wanted to change the constitution is that the 1997 constitution, it gives more power to the head of state and then the presidency than it gives power to the people. So if it it's not serving its purpose, I think then it has to be revisited. And that was what this process was all about. Mohammed, what does this mean for the Gambia's democracy? It was a chance for a new beginning that we all yearned for. I strongly believe that we need a new constitution, and we still do, because the 1997 constitution, I just like to call that constitution a booby-trapped constitution, because like Kemo mentioned, that constitution just wires everything up back to the head of state, you know, and gives him a lot of powers, you know, unlike the this new constitution. Yeah, Marlin, who do you think was responsible? Of course it was the lawmakers. There too, there's nothing wrong with having a two-term limit in a democratic constitution. It is only expected. It's important that we prevent leaders from entrenching themselves, and every reasonable constitution should have that. Kemo, many Gambians said it is the Constitutional Review Commission because uh, the two-term limit, taking it back to 2017, it's supposed to start in 2021. I would want to disagree with that. I think the main reason why we were trying to fight the 1997 constitution or change it is what we are seeing today. We didn't want a constitution that would entrench leaders. And for example, talking about the two-term limit, I think it is just logical that the first tenor of the head of state gets counters his first term because it's definitely a first term and when you talk about this government we spoke about it being a transitional government and one of the main focuses of the transition was to have a new constitution and if that has failed it means this government has failed Lyman said what do you say to that that the failure of the constitution means the failure of Barrow's government uh, well, I, when, when people said it's, it's about one person, well, I, I don't hold the view that it's about... But of course, yes, one too many. But I'm not sure that's the argument in respect of the, the rejection of this constitution. So you see, uh, there are a wide range of issues um, surrounding this new constitution that could have been rectified. People attach the resource cost to it. I mean, of course, yes, the resources are important. But again, also, we have to envisage those things. It doesn't mean that when resources are invested in things, it has to automatically, you know, be. It went through a process. And it was rejected. For me, it's democratic, and it really reflects our desire as Gambians, in my view, because we want a democratic state. Mohammed, there is this saying that democracy exists because not everybody agrees on the same thing at the same time. Was this democratic, the rejection of the new draft constitution? What I want to say for sure is that me looking at this whole process, I have a, a moral scope that I look at it. When we are talking about changing a constitution and bringing in another constitution, it has to be one that is more progressive than the other. And here, in this case, we had that already. But now I want to put the blame on a lot of people because, you know, we have our insufficiencies as a country, our civic education and a lot of other things, and even the quality of people that represent us. You know, we just have to be straight when we talk about these things. Our parliament is not, I mean, reflective of our society in some way, you know, 
they are not really giving us our aspirations, actually, because when you look at what happened in the parliament, we will not, you know, really dismiss the fact that this has been politicized and it's been, you know, particular interests have been, you know, pushed. And if the National Assembly, with all their reasonability, I mean, they would have allowed it to go into committee stages where they will start to talk about reasonable amendments here and there, if there's any reasonability in this thing. Yeah, Marlin, imagine there is no term limit uh, in the Constitution or it's not been taken back to 2017. What do you think it will happen? Do you think the Constitution will pass the National Assembly or it will not pass? We may be a bit surprised by what happened in Parliament, but we are not all the way surprised because we know from the very beginning that the, the President had his fingers in National Assembly, that some parliamentarians were dancing to his tune. From the very onset when they were given the 50, it was it 52 vehicles or whatever from an anonymous donor, that is when he started buying them from the brown envelopes, etc. So it was clear, I mean, unless we were being naive or being willfully blind, we knew that the Parliament was not independent of the executive, of course. He had some powers within there. If the Parliament understood better what their role is, and they understood better what democracy is and what separation of powers is, they might have been able to make better informed decisions. So there's a lot of things that come into play. Of course, the biases are there. There's short-sightedness. They're not too smart, because if you were smart enough, you would know that overall it would be of greater advantage to vote for the constitution, a progressive constitution, than to vote uh, to favor a president. Uh, when you look at the, the long run and the general aspirations of your, your people and your children, in fact, how they would be affected in the future. Okay, well, let's uh, talk about the president here. Many people said the president was discriminated with the two terms. I don't think the president was discriminated. I think it has to do with, you know, we cannot have a constitution that favors everyone. We are two million plus people, so it cannot favor everyone. So it is bound that people might find that, okay, this is not catered for. For example, we as a political party made recommendations to the CRC, which were not captured. But we didn't see that, okay, because what we wanted were not captured, we have to vote out the constitution. We have to look at what do the Gambian people want. I think um, what happened was, as, as people have said here, the aspirations of one person were put above the aspiration of the general public. So if we're talking about the, our ideals of separation of power, why should that be a problem? And we're talking about that we want our justice system to be very strong. We are talking about institutional reforms. This was the book that was going to usher in those reforms. But if you throw it out, how do you think that there would be progress? The whole concept of New Gambia, for me, revolved around this constitution. And now that it's no more, I believe that the dream of the New Gambia is dead. Lamin, you are among few Gambians who are in support of the rejection. Why are you in support of this, the rejection of the bill? Reasonably, a lot of people have envisaged that this constitution may not really make it. We have seen, you know, our legal luminaries who have looked at this constitution and made a lot of objections here and there. I think a lot of problems would have been corrected prior to getting to, to this stage. And we have to admit the fact that this process was political. The CRC's mandate was not political, but the process and the people involved really, you know, are politicians and they were interested in certain things. So they have made their position known even before the constitution goes to parliament. They, they, some oppositions did, and the government also, you know, I mean, raised their, their objection, and that's specifically the cabinet. Yeah, Marlon, who is afraid of the new constitution? President and his cabinet. <laughs> And a lot of people who would have an interest in entrenching dictatorship or encouraging dictatorship in the Gambia. I couldn't see any reason why anybody would want this constitution to not go through. Of course, we've seen things that perhaps not all of us agree with. But one thing you can't deny is that it is a progressive document. Why would anybody, not anybody who cares about the Gambia, 
not want such a progressive document to go through. The only person who would hate that is somebody who's are looking out for their own selfish interests. Lyman, you are in support of the president. Do you think the current term should be counted in his two terms? My view is this constitution and um, the promises that the Gambian people were, the promises given to the Gambian people, it was a collective failure so to speak, from, I mean, a lot of people who today are trying to exonerate themselves from the process. I mean, we've seen the breach of, you know, I mean, contracts being, I mean, flouted from the beginning. So it started way back, and the end result is what we're witnessing today. I agree with my colleagues that um, this constitution has a lot of progressive, I mean, provisions that really myself and uh, many others would wish to see, I mean, crush. But, you know, all hope are not lost. I hope that we'll go back to the drawing board and come. But well, for I mean, um, for the constitution, I think the two-term limit, I support it true and true. Yeah, Marlon, finally, all hopes are not lost. Are there any hopes? Well, there is still hope because as much as we have not reached the goals that we've intended or we've expected that we would have reached by the end of 2020, there's still a lot of hope because as Kemo said, a conversation has, has started. People have taken interest in politics in the Gambia and people feel more involved, they're more aware of what is going on. Um, hope is not lost. We, we're having elections in a year or so, and although I'm not very optimistic about how much change that would usher in, there are other people who are optimistic, of course. <laughs> There's always a chance that the bill can be brought before parliament again that, that, and that it will be voted in. And civil society can sort of just uh, reanalyze re the situation and find new solutions to our emerging problems and work on them such that slowly but surely we will make progress. It's not, yeah, there is hope, there is hope. Mohammed, finally. Well, just like everyone is optimistic, same way I am, hope is not lost, and, uh, but we will have to thrive and keep doing, I mean, what we do for Gambia because if you look at all the efforts that were put into drafting this constitution and the whole transitional justice process until now, I mean, we have been disappointed in one way or the other, especially by the executive. But what makes hope stay is that the possibility for new beginnings, our elections, and even the way that Gambians respond to our leaders. We really wanted this constitution to go on. But look at what happened. I don't know about his stooges. They messed it up. Kemo? My final words would be that I still have hope in this country, and I'm hopeful that the future will be bright. Um, I know it's, it's demoralizing that after everything that we, we have been through as a country that we haven't been able to accomplish what we set out to do. But the good thing is that we are still hopeful and the people that were here to, those who ushered the change are still around and that we did it not because we just wanted the change for ourselves, but we did it for the unborn generation of Gambia. Lamin, finally. Well, I, I still have faith in this country, like uh, uh, my colleagues said it. We've been calling for uh, youth participation and participation of the, the educated into, into politics. Our politics was left in the hands of people who probably saw it as an, as an avenue to get connected, to get resources. We were not interested. We're not interested, and we left it in the hands of the people that today we call, I mean, all sort of names, but, but they were the people who have the interest, and I hope that um, the way forward is that we'll have more and more, I mean, um, enlightened citizens engage into the, into the process, engage into politics, and that um, probably will be able to represent their people best as they claim to. So I think that's the way forward for me. The Constitution is the supreme law of the Gambia. 
Thanks so much for your contribution. That was Lyman Kesedi, Youth Development Specialist at the Child Protection Alliance, Marlene Jang, writer and activist, Mohamed Sandeng, Tatia Protocol Science student at the University of the Gambia, and Kemu Bojang, National Secretary General of the United Democratic Party Youth Wing. On our Facebook page, DW Africa, Jaju Lamin says this is an outright betrayal by President Barr. We are patiently waiting for him at polls in 2021. Opoko Enua says President Barr wants to remain in power. This doesn't make him any difference to his predecessor. Thanks for all your comments. You are listening to the 77%. My name is Omar Wali and today's show is coming to you from the Gambia. When we return, we will get to hear what young people think about their country's constitution. is 77%. My name is Omar Wali and today's show is coming to you from the Gambia. Let's now crisscross and head to Malawi. That country's constitution has strong laws that empower the youths who make up the largest population. But do they feel empowered? It doesn't empower me because the stipulations in the constitutions, they are not very objective in terms of considering uh, young people. It only focuses on those that are in government and politicians. What is power to them, how they can administer or how they can access opportunities and all that. But to be very specific in terms of pointing out the arrows, how young people can be promoted, how young people can be empowered, it's not there. So I feel used most of the time the constitution is clear that you to recognize the, the youth participation in development processes. But what I see in Malawi is that the youth are not given fully that chance to participate. If we can look at the politics in Malawi, most of the people who are there holding positions in the, most of the parties are not young. I believe there is need to put up enabling environment for the youth so that it can match with the constitution to encourage them contribute to the development of the country. The constitution of Malawi has um, empowered the youth. You look at the Malawi growth strategy number two, the version of 2020. It's talking about uh, how the Malawi government has included the youth in all decision making within the, the government sector. There are some things that the youth are left behind, but I could say 50-50, say the youth are included in other decision-making, others they are not. Mixed views from young Malawians on how they view their constitution. With that, we have come to the end of this week's 77% show. You can listen to the show and previous editions by visiting dw.com slash 77%. Keep the 77% debate going by visiting our Facebook page DW Africa and don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash DW Africa. On behalf of the producer, Jane Yingi, and the rest of the team that made this so possible, I, Omar Wali in the Gambia, is saying Alabar Kabake for what you do, which means thank you so much till another time. With a man there, man, a polo I can make a honey give away your lost rollo And I stay show, yo, you know how it goes What a girl's like
key Had a couple man won't be me Them man can't be T, T Tell them only winners are allowed No diggity, no diggity out I was getting blows before girls were putting out Told them I was gonna blow back when I was in the south Go low, go low, everybody go low Cause you want me, she don't want me